Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. It's such an honor to have you tuning in with us in week two of our series called Love First. And welcome to day 24 of this 365-day, 584-million-mile journey around the sun. I get to say that at least through the month of January, just to remind us of how far we are into this year. Um, But seriously, man, I'm so excited about all the the potential that this year holds. And, And specifically, as we evaluate the invitation to, to take this trip around the sun with the God who made the sun and the God who made us. And so no matter where you're tuning in on your spiritual journey, I promise today's conversation is going to be super helpful and super encouraging. But first, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been given like vague directions or just terrible directions in general? I was thinking about it this week. Uh, there was a period of time where uh, when we were living in Texas, my family uh, had, had a cabin kind of out in the middle of nowhere, like an hour and a half outside of the Metroplex, we would go to this cabin often for the weekend. Um, and Danielle and I were dating at the time, and my family and I had already gone out there. And then my friends were going to meet us out there, and they were going to bring Danielle with them. And so they were carrying precious cargo. So I wanted to make sure that they had really good directions on the way out to where we were. The problem is, it's just like two turns, and you're there over the course of an hour and a half. So it's really simple in the sense of... of the amount of directions that you need. The problem is I was never familiar with the names of the roads. And so, uh, you know, it was like when you get into this town, turn left at the light and, you know, really vague directions. And so I remember they called me like 45 minutes into their drive and they were lost. And, and I was trying to help them. The problem was even as they're telling me where they are, I, I can't remember the names of the roads. So I can't point them in the right direction. So I finally get them headed in the right direction. They make the correct left turn that points them all the way there, and then all they have to do is get into town and then get on one little side road, and then eventually they'll, they'll get to where we are. And the, the other problem is once they get through town and they're almost to the cabin, you're on this just kind of stretch of highway. And, and what you're looking for, right, there's no clear directions, there's no like uh, street numbers or anything. You're looking for a white fence with a like maybe, you know, blue sign, and then there's a light across the street, which depending on what time of day it is, if it's dark, you can see the light. If it's not, that light's useless. And the problem is there's like a hundred other white fences. And so it's like, hey, turn right at the white fence, and then, you know, left at the cow, and then, you know, uh, there's an owl in that tree. I mean, it was like some seriously obscure directions. And so they finally make it, but not because I gave them good directions. And, And I remember how frustrated they were, and I was like, I should probably figure out how to help people find this place a little better than turn left at the cow. And so here's my point. Good intentions and all the desire in the world won't get you to your destination if you don't know where you're going, right? And you know that. You know that emphatically about every area of life. But what's ironic is how many people set off in a direction when it comes to faith and when it comes to following Jesus, and they don't have like a destination. They don't have a direction. There's like just this vague idea of like, I think I'll head that direction, and hopefully I'm, I'm headed toward Jesus. And so today I want to talk about the invitation from Jesus. Like, where are we going, and what does that look like? And so here's the deal. If you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to do. I want to help point you in the right direction. 
that not, not obligating you to head that direction, but you should at least know like what you're being invited into and what that looks like. And like being able to make the decision of if you want to go there has a lot to do with understanding where you're going. And so I just want to clarify that invitation from Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, hear me. If you're part of the City Church family, hear me. Our mission is to help people find their way, their way to God from where they are. But it's hard to lead people to a place that you and I are unfamiliar with. Think about it. Not only is it hard to lead people to a place that we're unfamiliar with when it comes to our relationship with God, but it's hard to want to lead people to a place that you and I don't go ourselves often. And so if we're going to help people find their way to God from where they are, we should probably have this well-worn path in our relationship with God that makes it really easy to get to, and our instructions don't include stuff like turn left at the cow. Okay? That makes sense to you? And so I want to clarify the invitation from Jesus today of what it means to have a relationship with God. Because it's one thing to understand we're on this trip around the sun, and a relationship with God is, is what we were created for, and it's going to make it amazing, and, it, and, and we're excited about it, but what does that actually mean? So here's what I want to do today. I want to go back to the very first invitation from Jesus. I thought this was so helpful. Like, if, if we're talking about the invitation from Jesus, look, let's look at the first time that it ever happened. And so in Mark chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen. You can check this out. Mark chapter 3, this is the very first time that Jesus invites anyone to follow him. So let's lean in and see what we can learn together. Mark chapter 3, it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So there's, there's some really heavy-hitting uh, moments here in here that I want to break down for you and I. So the first thing is this, that Jesus calls these guys to himself. This is so unique, right? I want you to think about the invitation from Jesus. He, uh, this word called, it means to invite to oneself. It's, it's a relational term. In the Greek, it's, it's, para, I'm sorry, it's proskaleo. It's a personal invitation to follow someone. It's not, it's not an invitation into moral activity. It's not an invitation to a destination. It's not an invitation to like church attendance or spiritual practice or, or a political tribe or any of that stuff. It's an invitation into relationship. And so it says that Jesus calls or invites the, these guys into a relationship. And you got to ask the question, why? Like, like, what's the motive here? Why does Jesus invite these guys into a relationship with himself? And, and, and then check it out. It says, he called them to himself, those that he wanted. Wanted. That word want. It means to will or to desire or, or to purpose. The reason that Jesus invites these guys into a relationship with himself, the reason he invites them to follow him is because he loves them. Don't, don't miss how huge this is. He wants a relationship with them. And so the, the whole picture that we see happening and playing out through Jesus is that God said, hey, I'm coming and I'm going to give my life. I'm going to rise again because I desire a relationship with humanity. I desire a relationship with you. That's the picture that we're getting here, and that's the, that's the incredible invitation that we see happening through the life of Jesus. Now, you got to ask the question, because you say, okay, well, this is Mark 3, and this is for these 12 guys that Jesus is talking to, but what does it mean for me? So I want to show you in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Check this out. In 1 Timothy, uh, um, we see this. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. The exact same word, want, 
That exact same word that we see from Jesus, to want, to desire. That's the exact same word. God desires a relationship with you. This is amazing. Don't, Don't miss this. God desires a relationship with you even more than you and I desire a relationship with him. This is God's initiative, not our own. And so this is no matter where you are today on your spiritual journey, whether you've been following Jesus for a minute or you've never followed Jesus, today I want you to hear that God wants a relationship with you. And the whole reason is there's this love of God for you and I that we don't earn and that we don't deserve. The whole series, Love First, is premised in this big idea, that before it's something that you and I ever do, it's first something that we receive, that God loves us and he desires a relationship with us and he made a way into that relationship through Jesus. And, and just to help you understand how, how incredible the invitation is into relationship and not religion, Jesus died for you and for me before you were ever you and before I was ever me. What that means is that Jesus gave his life for us. He, he, he took the initiative in establishing a relationship with us before we ever even had the chance to earn it. And here's why. Because God doesn't love you and he doesn't love me because we're lovable. Right? Think about it. It's, it's, not, it's not because we're so amazing that God loves us. It's because of how amazing he is that we were made to know and love and follow Jesus. And so as always, th- th- there's a tension, right? You've got to ask the question, like, why, why is there an invitation in the first place? I mean, you should probably ask that, right? Like, why is there an invitation being extended from Jesus? Check this out, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy, we, we see this conversation happening. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. That word, that word mediator, it's, it's someone who steps in between two relationships. It makes two opposing relationships and reconciles them together. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, that he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is so important. The reason there's an invitation is because you and I are not naturally predisposed into a right relationship with God. We are separated from God, and Jesus steps in the middle of that, in the middle of our mess, and as the mediator, he gives his life to purchase our freedom for us. Listen, the primary difference between religion and relationship is religion is full of guilt and shame and and your effort to kind of appease God and make it right. Whereas the invitation in relationship is that Jesus didn't come to, to, to make you sorry. He came to set you free. You see, you see the difference here? There, there's feel bad and, and work really hard to make it right. And then there's receive something that you couldn't earn for yourself. And you might look at this conversation from Jesus and you, say, you might say, man, that, 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 that seems too easy. Like Jesus did it all and all I've got to do is trust in Jesus and I can have a relationship with God. That seems too easy. It is easy. You know why it's easy? Because Jesus did all the work. All of the heavy lifting was done by Jesus. Religion is you got to do X, Y, and Z, rights, uh, wrongs, rules, and regulations. I mean, it's all these things that you've got to do to make yourself right with God. And, and, and there's this idea at the end of your life that, that you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well... You know, you did the best you could. Come on in, right? That, that, Jesus said, no, that's not how it works, right? There's nothing that you can do to be made right with God. But Jesus did it anyway. He did it all in our place so that we can be made right with God. And so this is amazing. There's an invitation 
that you and I have the opportunity to respond to. So let's go back to the text. Let me show you what happens in Mark chapter 3. Jesus calls them to himself, those he wanted, those he desired, and, and what happens? They came to him. There's a response to the invitation, and you need to hear this. God will never force anyone into a relationship with himself. A forced relationship is called abuse, and typically that's, that's frowned upon, right? We're not, we're not fans of that. And so there's a response from these followers. They came to him. And, and this, this word in the Greek, it's describing that they, they set off on a journey with Jesus. And, and I love this picture because, because Jesus saves us in a moment. Like the moment that you choose to trust Jesus with, with your life, he saves us in a moment, but it's a step it's step one in, in a journey that lasts a lifetime in a relationship with Jesus. And so here's my first question for you, very simply, is, is do you have a personal relationship with God? Have you responded to the invitation? Do you understand the invitation that you're invited into a relationship with God and he desires a relationship with you? The only thing on your side of the equation is to respond. And, and just, just to clarify a, a little more on on. What we're talking about, if I ask that question, do you have a personal relationship with God? And your answer falls into the category of, well, Drake, I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. If that's the disposition of your answer, I need you to understand, man, you got the wrong directions. Check, check out Matthew 7 real fast. Look, this is Matthew 7. And these are some heavy-hitting words from Jesus, okay? So I want you to lean in and, and let's check it out. On Judgment Day, at the end of our lives, many will say, this is Jesus talking, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, we, we've prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Look at all the stuff that we did for you, Jesus. Look at how spiritual we are. And then Jesus said, but I will reply, I never knew you. That's the same relational word that we looked at last week. It's a personal relationship. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Like, whoa, Jesus, like, wow, wow. that's some heavy words. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I mean, look, look how spiritual we were. And this is where it comes in, right? God, didn't I do all the right stuff? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I pray and give money? And, and wasn't I a good person? And, right? and we'd, we'd look at all the things that we've done. And Jesus said, it's not about what you've done. It's what I did for you. It's, it's this relational word. Did you put your faith in me? Did you trust in me? Do you have a relationship with me? And, and Jesus uses this really strong language. He says, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's law. I mean, man, look at this list. This is a pretty spiritual list. I mean, I, mean, I don't understand. How are we breaking God's law by doing good things? Don't miss this. Any activity, any performance, anything that we do that's not Jesus working in and through us, it's not pleasing to God. No matter how spiritual you package it, it starts by being made right with God. And so, again, very simple question. Have you ever made the decision to put your faith in Jesus, to trust in Jesus? And, and all that means is that you trust that he was who he said he was and he can do what he said that he would do. And so it's something very simple like this, guys. At 15, I didn't have all the, the right words to put with it when, when I like, decided to follow Jesus, but it, it goes something like this. God, I, I know I fall short. Like, I know I don't have it all together. I know that I'm broken. I, I, I know that, that I'm not perfect, and I know you love me. And so I turn my life over to you. I'm asking you to save me and set me free, to bring me into a relationship with you. 
And however you would articulate that by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus, you can be confident today that as you take that singular step in receiving all that God has done for you through Jesus, you have a relationship with God. That you're moving from trying to trusting. And this incredible invitation, it's not just a moment, but it is a lifetime invitation and journey. And so listen, if, if you're making that decision for the first time, if you have more questions about that decision, I mean, let us help you. Use that digital connection card, text in, let us know so we can help you take next steps in following Jesus. We would love to do that with you to help clarify this invitation in this direction. But listen, it gets better. It doesn't just stop at an invitation. Watch what happens in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, he goes on, and, 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 it, and it tells us the purpose. So not only are they invited, but then it tells us the purpose of the invitation. We understand that the why is that God loves us, but then it says in verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So, so th th this huge paradigm in verse 14 that, that there's this so that built into the language in the Greek that you and I can't always see depending on the translation that we're using. Why, why did he invite them to himself? So that, here's why, the purpose of it is to be with him. Do, do you see it? Why, why are, are they invited into a relationship? So that they might be with him. This is amazing. Not, not, not live for him, but be with him. You see the difference? Most people think, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus. Now I got to go do stuff for Jesus. And that's not the invitation. It's not to do stuff for Jesus. It's to be with him. So you got to ask the question, like what's the goal of the Christian life? Most people would say, oh, it's to live for God. Man, used to, I, I, this was a paradigm of mine that, that I had to really rethink. I would say, oh, man, I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done in my life. And I just want to do for others what Jesus has done for me. And it was this, this flipped idea that, that my only natural response is, is to, to give everything that I have in living for Jesus in order to say thank you for what he's done. And while, while I understand the heart and the motive behind it, it's missing the point of being. That Jesus didn't invite me to do something great for him. And, that, and that's kind of been the paradigm of my life for a long period of time. And what he's teaching me now is he, he didn't invite me to do something great for him. He invited me to be with him. And, and the reason, guys, this is so hard, I want you to think about it. The reason this is so hard is that there is a, a proclivity of the human heart to find its worth, to find its value in its activity. Right? You and I find tons of our worth and value in our activity. And we, uh, we allow our activity to become our identity. And the challenge with this reality is that Jesus doesn't invite us into more activity. He invites us to receive a new identity. That we go from lost and broken and slaves to fear and shame and guilt. And when we step into a relationship with God, we go to found and new and adopted into the family of God. And it's all because of Jesus that, that when God looks at us, he doesn't look at our performance and judge us in that nature. But he looks at the performance of Jesus and he sees you and I as a loved son or daughter. I want you to think about it. So, so I have two boys, Grayson and Asher. They're five and three. No matter their activity, listen, no matter what Grayson and Asher do, their identity will always be 
to be my sons. No matter what they do, no matter what their performance is, whether it's good or bad, you, you can weigh it however you want. Their identity will always be rooted as my son. Because identity is not something that you achieve or work for. It's something that you receive. It's who you are. And so the primary call on my life is not to do something for Jesus. It's to be with Jesus. And you know what this does, guys? Listen, this allows us to sit in freedom. There's there's no pressure. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no weight or loss of value based on my performance. I can sit in this incredible invitation. And I I asked some team members to, to articulate this um, just say, hey, how's the invitation been, this paradigm shift of, of not doing things for Jesus but being with Jesus? How, how has that changed things for you? And, and uh, uh, Maddie said it this way, one of our team members. She said, the biggest shift for me in valuing intimacy with God over ministry for him has been in the way that I love people. Listen to this. So the byproduct of internal ident- identity is that it changed her external activity. This is so cool. She said it changed both the how and the why. A year ago, I loved people well for my own benefit, to receive love from others. But now, I love people without an agenda because it's the fruit, it's the overflowing reality of my relationship with God. She said, I love people well because of my relationship with Jesus, not by my own effort or for my own gain. And not to mention, my relationship with Jesus has also grown personally in that I look to him before I look to other people for peace and comfort and security and love. And I was like, man, that, you articulated it so well. Thank you, Maddie, for, for sharing just, just that reality and how, and how this shift is taking place. Let me ask you this question. What's the goal? Like, like, what's the goal of following Jesus? I need you to hear me. The relationship is the goal. A lot of times we, we think following Jesus is like the starting line. Like I put my faith in Jesus and that's the starting line. Now I got to go do stuff for Jesus. I got to go run that race. But the goal is the relationship. Does this make sense? That's the whole point. And so if you were to just whittle it down, we looked at it last week. What's the whole invitation from Jesus? It's to know God. That's it. To know God. And so then you need to ask the, daily, the, the question, what's the daily goal? Like if you're a follower of Jesus or you're evaluating uh, um, having a relationship with Jesus, what's the daily goal in following Jesus? It's to spend time with God daily. That's it. That's it. Why? Be- because the overflow takes care of the rest. Think about it. What's the most challenging and difficult thing to practice on a daily basis. What is it? It's spending time with God, isn't it? You ever think about that? The hardest thing to do in our relationship with God is not the stuff that we do for God. It's, it's our time with God. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You know why? Because there's, there's a real enemy. There, there's a spiritual enemy to your soul. And he doesn't care how many hours a week. Listen. He doesn't care how many hours a week you spend doing as long as you're not being. Because anything of significance, Jesus told us this, anything of significance in my life is going to be out of the overflow of my relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the invitation, hopefully, is clear that there's a purpose to be with him, but it doesn't stop there. Check this out. 
he goes on and he says, not only that they might be with him, but then that he would send them out to preach. Whoa, hold on, hold on. So there's the doing part, right? We, we knew it was coming. Like, oh, it can't be this easy. You can't just be with Jesus all the time. You got to do stuff, right? No, no, no. Don't miss this incredible paradigm. The responsibility of those he invited is what? They should be with him. And then what's the responsibility of Jesus? The responsibility of Jesus is that he would send them out to preach. And the challenge is when you hear that word, immediately you think about what I'm doing. And it's this weird public thing. And you're like, well, that's not for me. That's only for some people. No, 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 don't, don't miss it. That word preach literally means to make public. It has nothing to do with a vocation or a microphone or standing on a stage. It's very simple. Jesus gave us this invitation. Do not miss it. Jesus said, you be with me. And I will make my life public through you. Do you see it? You be with me, and I will make my life public through you. And don't miss this. Jesus didn't just die, right? He rose from the grave. And so his death is, just, is not just my death, but his life is my life. That, that Jesus lives through me when I come into relationship with him. So don't miss this big idea. This is, this is it. I, I mean, you got to take this home, okay? This big idea here. Everything that Jesus desires to do through you, he will accomplish through the overflow of his relationship with you. Everything that Jesus desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of our relationship with him. And listen, for me, guys, I, I don't know where you're tuning in, where you're leaning in, when you look at the trip around the sun and you know, having a significant life and all of those things. But man, for me, I want to get in on the great things that God is doing. And, and, and as I evaluate that, that invitation, it, it's not that I'm being invited to do great things for God. I'm invited to be with him. And, and when I'm with him, I get to be a part of those great things. In this passage that we just looked at, Luke tells us that, that Jesus spent all night praying before we, we see the, the passage in Mark that we just looked at. He spent all night praying, and then he invites 12 guys. And, and I asked the question, why? Why did Jesus invite 12? Was it strategic? Was that his relational capacity? Is he like a Lego and he only has so many connectors and, and that's just as many people as he could invest in? Luke tells us that Jesus spent all night with God. And the next morning, he calls these 12 guys to himself. And the reason is because that's who God told him to invite in this scenario. You see, the life of Jesus, it's a series of relationships. And all of the interactions that we see in the life of Jesus, they are all influenced by his relationship with God as Father. Go, go, just go look at the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't make decisions based on what was most strategic and most significant and most impactful and most purposeful or a host of other reasons. Jesus would simply, in every moment, he would identify the Father's voice and the Father's activity, and he would go where God was working. Whether it made sense or not, he would engage crowds, and he would engage the outcast. He would do the unthinkable, and he would love the unlovable. And every time it was out of the overflow of his relationship with God. 
And that's the invitation for you and I to be so intimately acquainted in our relationship with God that everything he wants to do in and through us is the overflow of that relationship. And so next week, listen, don't miss it. This is so important. God has been telling me over and over again, this is the most important thing that we communicate. Because if we don't have this right, we get nothing right. And church, listen, if you're a part of City Church, this is your home. Healthy things grow and healthy things reproduce. The, the byproduct of what God is doing in and through this is, is everything that he wants to do. But this right here is the work. This right here is the focus. And so next week, we're going to break down very specifically, how do we spend time with God? If the goal is to know God and to spend time with God and let that be the overflow of every other relationship in our lives, then how do we do that? Next week, we're going to deal with it, so don't miss it. Next week, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to invite you to join us in that, to focus on our relationship with God and to press into it. And also our groups. Listen, we have city groups that meet online. We have a, an all-Zoom group. We have in-person groups all across our city throughout the week. And, and the groups are critical to following Jesus. We are invited to make the decision to follow Jesus as individuals. But we are not called to follow Jesus individually. We're called into community. So if you're not connected in community, guys, don't do this journey alone. It's not just a journey with you and Jesus. It's a journey with you and Jesus and his whole family. And so as you, as you take some time and you reflect on the invitation from Jesus, I want to ask you a few questions in closing. The, the first one is this. Have you ever responded to the invitation to follow Jesus? Very simply, friends. Have you ever responded to the invitation to follow Jesus? Because the response is on you. The best decision I ever made in my entire life was choosing to trust in Jesus. That when he died in my place for my sins and rose again, he made a way for me to be forgiven and made right with God. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I simply received it. And you can do the same today by extending that invitation. Jesus, that's what I want. A relationship with you. Forgive me and set me free. And make me right with God. If you're making that decision today, you can text the word follow to the number on the screen. We would love to celebrate with you and help you take some next steps in this new journey with Jesus. The second question is this. How will you prioritize daily being with Jesus this week? Look, I, I can look back at my life, and all of my life is just a sequence of events of, of, of since I became a follower of Jesus, just being with him and then being invited into what he's doing. And then I think about all the times that I haven't been with him, and I wonder how many moments have I missed? How many invitations have I missed because I wasn't with him? So what's your plan this week? How are you going to prioritize daily being with Jesus? And the last question is this. In what areas and in what relationships is Jesus working to make his life public through you? Where's God's activity? What's he doing in and through you and around you? He's doing a lot more than we give him credit for. We just have to be paying attention. So can I invite you this week? Would you ask right now, God, what are you doing around me? Who are the people that you want me to love, serve, engage, and connect with, and share your love? 
How are you trying to make your life public through me this week? Guys, it's such an honor to be a part of community together with you. And I'm so excited to see how God is going to continue to use the simple conversation and the simple invitation to grow in us and do in and through us what we could never accomplish on our own. So thank you for being a part. And I can't wait to connect with you soon. See you guys.